Hello, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Hollowdale Media Podcast. And we, it feels like we're in some sort of Maida Vale BBC Studios, Adam. We've upgraded. Yeah, we're in the future. We've got... Just talk us through the new, the new setup. I have bought a Shure MB7B thing, microphone for stuff, and Rob is on the old Blue Yeti USB balls. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now we've got two mics. We're no longer staring into each other's eyes. No, instead, it sounds. It kind of feels like we're about to record a charity single. <laughs> and we've got to hold our hands up to our ears and sway a bit and go, "It's Christmas time." No, 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 no. There's no, no. need. Well, you know, it may feel like Christmas time because it's because there's new things. And bloody freezing. I'm freezing. I'm, look, I'm cradling my tea with two hands. You wouldn't have been able to see this before, because the mic would have been in the way. It's look, I can see your whole body. I can see your, yeah, I can see your inner spirit. I can see your knees. Oh, everything you just want oh, some sexy knees. No longer do we have to cradle our thighs next to each other. A little insight into how the podcast used to be made. Yeah, from humble beginnings, we've gone from uh, the carpet of my old flat. Yes, kneeling with the mic on the uh, chair. Yeah, to... That's uh, when we were professionals on the radio. That's when we were real radio (laughs) presenters. Now look at us. Now we're three grown men living in a two-bedroom flat. Hooray! Yes. One one bedroom, really. (laughs) One bedroom, really. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, yes, we've got a... We've got another episode of Wonderment ahead of us. We certainly do. We do. We uh, we're gonna watch. It. We're, we're gonna talk about a really disturbing movie. Yes, but no spoilers yet. I will come on to how we watch it shortly. Oh, exciting! Uh, but first of all, what have you been watching? Well, well, uh, I started watching just now, um, and then stopped for God knows what. Why? Uh, the Doors by Oliver Stone, the biographic of. Uh, Jim Morrison. All right. It's a trippy band film. Uh, there's nothing to say about it, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> it's just I'm Jim Morrison and I'm so cool. Uh. That's the movie, as far as I'm aware. But I have been watching. Uh, I started watching Motherland. Have you heard of Motherland? I think I've heard of Motherland. BBC sitcom. Uh, it's got uh, Philomena Kunk in it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I've not seen it. I've seen it advertised. It's- yeah. Bloody amazing! It's so funny. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's uh, two uh, mums and a stay-at-home dad are like form a friendship in order to kind of navigate their way through childcare and um, the school popularity system of parents. Like how um, all of the mums gather together and there's a popular table in a cafe they go to and they sit on the toilet table and um, it's very sweary and it captures the rage of, of parents. Okay. Interesting. Swearing and the frustrations of uh, plans not going right and uh, unforeseen circumstances and bursting into despair. God. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'd, I'd heavily recommend it. Very I, good. I imagine it strike a chord with uh, with parents. Um, yeah. How how are you, dude? I'm uh, good. What have you been watching? 
What have uh, you been watching? I've been watching loads of stuff. So, uh, Bad Batch on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, I watched, the, I watched the first episode. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you get it without knowing Clone Wars? Yeah, yes, fine. Okay, yeah. cool. It's, it, the execute order. Everyone knows execute yeah. order number sixty-six. So, did you? What did you think of it? I liked it. I liked it. I, when the little kid came in, I was like, get lost. That's the only thing. Because is, she it's, in it, is, she, is she in it for the whole thing? It's, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's weird they did that. I don't know why. I don't really understand. So, it, Bad Batch is essentially a sort of... Well, it's not really a war story. It's a post-war story. But they've just put in a child for some reason. Mm. Not, not bad. Well, obviously, it's some sort of like audience appeal character, but... It's dumb. it's dumb. I would have preferred it without the child, but we'll see. It's like when they shoved Millie Bobby Brown into Godzilla, um, especially in the last one, Godzilla vs. Kong, so she can walk around for a bit and then spill coffee on a machine. Yeah. Like, well, what are you doing? Well, that, 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 that's not important. Let's make the cool people do stuff. Well, they did it in Clone Wars. They introduced the kid character, but the kid character was a Jedi. Right. So, actually had something to do and, you know. I don't know. But other than that, I think it's really, I think it looks fantastic. It does. It does look very good. It's really good. Um, what else? Oh, Love, Death and Robots. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Love, Death and Robots. Are you it? No, 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 no. I didn't finish. I feel like I need to finish the first series first, and then I'll cut, get around to it. Have you not fin- How have you not finished the first series? Uh, it's like an hour long in total. I just, I just had enough. I, but I should, I should, I'll go, I'll go back. I'll go back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. The second series is getting a lot of praise, but I was saying to you earlier, it the second series is good. Mm. It's brilliant, but it's all a bit samey. Right. It's all good now. I, the first series, there was a bit of element of chaos where some of it was a bit weird and a bit rubbish. Right. And they let you talk about it, but this one, it's all just like a blanket of okay. Uh. Don't let me put you off. It's still very good, and there's still some really good stories. But do they still have vastly different animation styles? Not really. really? Most of them have that realistic, like crazy realistic. Yeah, I, I saw a picture actually. Yes. Yeah, so uh, awesome. One of the first episodes a bit more cartoony, but yeah, no, yeah, doesn't really have that added weird element. But still, it's very good. Worth uh, watching. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I think that's all I've seen. Me too. Me oh too. God! Oh God! Oh! I went to the cinema. Oh! How was that? Wet. <laughs> it was the day it rained a lot, but it was worth the trip. What did you see? I saw Judas and the Black Messiah, which will be one of my reviews. Oh, very nice. Um, yes. What was it like? Was there any? Was it spaced seating? Uh, did you get any popcorn? Did you? Did you uh, treats? I didn't because I was. We just sort of wanted to get in because we were all dripping wet, but. Yeah, it was pretty empty. Right. Kind of hope that cinemas have almost died in the last year, and I kind of hope that people are actually going to start going back, but it didn't look very promising from where I was sat. Well, I uh, will say, and I would encourage everyone listening to do the same, I'm going to get myself some form of, of cinema card. It might be a Cineworld Unlimited, um, and start going all the time. It would have to be, wouldn't it? There's no OD in around here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I haven't. Uh, my friend gave me a forty-pound Odeon. This is a terrible story. I don't know why I've started. <laughs> my friend gave me a forty-pound Odeon voucher. Yes. Several years ago, and it's still in my wallet. Forty pounds. Didn't we use that to see? No, it's still in there. We didn't use it. We, we, there was something we we went to. We were planning to. We talked about oh, it. Oh right. I was saying, guys, I'm going to treat us all. We'll get all of the treats. Oh yeah. 
And it's probably, I need to look it up, but I imagine it's vastly out of date. <laughs> That's my bad story. Didn't we use something similar when we went to see The Hobbit 2? The Hobbit 2. Perhaps. In Milton Keynes? In Milton Keynes. On the chairs Keynes. that moved. The chairs that moved. Before oh. it was a big thing. 4DX. Yeah. 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 Mm. That was cool. I mean, that was that made the film good, didn't it? Like the rumbling of the, the fire with, with Smog. Yeah, that's true. I'm a bit, uh, a the bit on the fence. on the barrels. A bit on the fence with 4DX. I remember watching Gardens of the Galaxy 2 and I was almost sick in the opening. <laughs> it was moving too much. Yeah, that's a bit chaotic. It really putting me off. Yeah. But anyway, let's, uh, let's go into what our film pick was. My film pick. So last time we watched The Mummy, it was Rob's pick, uh, and to move us to the new film, which this is a weird one because I didn't have any idea where this was going, and I hadn't watched the film that it ends on. Wow. Well, with all those teasers, I'll carry on. Right. Okay. The Mummy stars Rachel Weisz as Evelyn Carnahan, a ditzy, cutesy librarian who wakes up Imhotep by way of reading from the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead is another name for the Necronomicon Ex Mortis from the legendary Evil Dead series, notable for its lead star Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell played Sam Axe in the criminally underwatched Burn Notice, a show about a spy who is blacklisted by the government and ends up going on the run, a plot that was also shared by animated comedy series Archer, starring H. John Benjamin in the titular role. H. John Benjamin also stars as Bob in Bob's Burgers, another animated comedy series about a family-run burger store, but was originally conceived as a show about cannibals that murdered people and turned their bodies into human burgers. Which leads us to my film pick of the week! A film I haven't seen before, but have owned on DVD for an embarrassing amount of time. 2016's Raw. Wow, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. What a what a, uh, a journey through different genres. Oh yes. Yeah, I like that very much. And I suspect Bruce Campbell will come up in a few of mine, but we'll see how it goes. Yes. I'll find. I'll work him in somehow. I'm more or less connected at the hip these days. <laughs> you and old Bruce. Oh, we're old friends. You go way back. So yes, our film for this week is Raw, a French erotic in massive quotation marks thriller thing do you know it's our very first ever french erotic thriller thing <laughs> we have never done one before um so you know it's just, we're mixing things up a bit indeed so let's get into the show shall we so we can talk about raw yes Adam's Film Reviews, Psycho Gorman 2020. Many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your angry screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh. Speak? Oh my god. The 
gem of Praxonite. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. <sighs> and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye! Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. Oh. My. God. I've been waiting for this film for what feels like my entire life. First announced way back in January, it's taken until now for Psycho Gorman to reach UK audiences by way of Shudder, and I cannot express how excited I was to finally stick this on. Written and directed by Stephen Kazansky, a Canadian filmmaker with a love of models, miniatures, and delightfully cheesy special effects, Psycho Gorman is a perfectly pitched 90s throwback full of all the above and more. The film opens with siblings Mimi and Luke, played by Nita Osi, Hannah and Owen Meir, playing in their suburban garden somewhere in Canada. Mimi is irritatingly domineering and aggressive, outshining her older brother as they play a homemade game called Crazy Ball. The stakes are set. The winner will be crowned the master of the universe while the other will be buried alive. Unfortunately for Luke, He's beaten fair and square and sets to work digging a hole to be buried in. When he strikes something buried beneath their lawn, some sort of purple crystal. Claiming it for herself, Mimi snatches the gem just in time for the pair to be summoned by their mother and sent to bed. But little do they know that later that evening, something stirs beneath the ground. With the gem holding him in his eternal prison released, a creature tears forth from the lawn and soon makes his way into the world, brutally murdering a group of thieves he finds in an abandoned factory before settling in to plot his future steps. The next day, finding a freshly torn up hole in the garden, Mimi and Luke track down the creature and finally confront him, introducing himself as the Archduke of Nightmares. The sinister alien is ready to murder the children, but is stopped at the last moment when Mimi reveals the gem and discovers that the monster is not only unable to harm her, but is under her total control while she possesses the gem. And thus, the stage is set. As anyone who has ever watched the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy will know, a young sinister girl and her dim-witted friend, or brother in this case, having full control over an interdimensional alien being, affectionately nicknamed Psycho Gorman can only lead to adventure and hijinks. But far from the planet Earth, a council of elder aliens known as the Planetary Alliance discover that Psycho Gorman has been resurrected and soon call on the noble Pandora, a cyborg warrior known as the Templar, to track down their dreaded enemy and destroy him for good. But they're not the only ones plotting. Despite being under the thrall of Mimi, Psycho Gorman works behind her back to summon his own army known as the Paladins of Obsidian to travel to Earth, reclaim the gem, and help Psycho Gorman return to the galaxy as overlord and murderous ruler. Needless to say, the film culminates with gallons of blood, guts, gore, laser swords, and absolutely ridiculous gags, and one truly banging rock number. It is glorious. I admit, I was a little biased going into this film because I knew I'd love it, but honestly, 
It's pure magic, with costumes and effects ripped straight from the 90s. Psycho Gorman is like the Power Rangers meets Hellraiser, with some truly magnificent model shots and over-the-top effects, particularly in the flashback scenes to Psycho Gorman's past. For someone who's familiar with the director's work, it's essentially man-bored with a budget, and that alone makes this film worth watching. I can't express how much I love some of the costume work, particularly that of the Planetary Alliance. I will never tire of watching the brain-in-a-jar guy react to things, or of the sad fate of Mimi's crush, who ends up mutating into a giant brain with tentacles and big googly eyes. It's, uh, it really is something. If you like your horror to be silly and camp, or equally, if you like your comedy to be covered in blood and guts, get yourself over to Shudder, sign up to its free trial, and have the time of your life. It's well worth dedicating an evening to. Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. Alright, bye. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. The synopsis for Sonic 2 confirms that Knuckles the Echidna will be teaming up with Dr. Robotnik <gasps> to hunt for the Chaos Emerald. He's actually Dr. Robotnik. He, yeah, they refer to him as Dr. Robotnik not in the first Eggman. movie. Not Eggman. No, Eggman is the stupidest name I've ever heard. He's Robotnik. Um, did you ever read Sonic the comic? No. It was a very good comic book, which was out in the 90s. Um during Sonic's hype and Dr. Robotnik had a brother who was a good guy called Dr. Kintobor which is Robotnik backwards little bit of Sonic trivia for you thank you very much no worries here's a synopsis for Sonic 2 oh. Oh. after settling in Green Hills Sonic is ready for more freedom and Tom and Maddie agree to leave him alone while they go on vacation but no sooner are they gone when Dr. Robotnik comes back this time with a new partner Knuckles, in search of an emerald that has the power to both build and destroy civilizations. Sonic teams up with his own sidekick, Tails, and together they embark on a journey to find the emerald before it falls into the wrong hands. I'm excited, Adam. I bloody love Knuckles, he's cool, and he climbs walls and he can glide. Knuckles is the red one with the big fists. Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, I think he came into, into it with Sonic 3 and then Sonic and Knuckles came out and you could plug Sonic 3 into the top of Sonic and Knuckles and play as Knuckles in Sonic 3 it was cool this is Rob's origin of his furry interest this is where I decided that I loved people dressed as adult sized <laughs> hedgehogs and echidnas <laughs> Um, yeah, I, well, I, Sonic Sonic 2 is the first game I've ever played, and this is, has all of the elements, so uh, I'm, I'm happy, I'm very happy. Okay, good. I've heard it's, the Sonic film's really good. It's very enjoyable, it's a very good, yeah, it's a really good kids film. Yeah, it's, there's not got a lot of flaws. But now, onto something that you like. Uh, Kevin Bacon has revealed that Tremors <gasps> is the only movie that he has re-watched in his entire back catalogue. Oh, wow! Kevin Bloody Bacon... So he's, what's he been in? He's been in Animal House, Friday the 13th, Footloose. Super. Super, Apollo 13, phone adverts. Hollow Man. Ho- Hollow Man. Uh, yeah. And, he's, and Kevin Bacon. I'm, I'm, I'm Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it was one film of mine that I wanted to revisit that character. I don't look back at all. In fact, Tremors is the only movie of mine that I've rewatched since it's come out. Oh, that's really cool. Do you know why? And, I, and we said that, well, you said this when we reviewed it. You said that in its own way, Tremors is the perfect movie. Yeah. So that's the one. That's the reason. That's why he's come back to it. There's yeah, no, I suppose so. There can be no cringing watching yourself in Tremors because it was he was 
beautiful in it. Oh, it's the best film. It, uh, I don't know what else is a perfect film. No. Anything, even the, you know, The Godfather has flaws. Some some would argue it's too long, but Tremors is perfectly perfectly left. It's perfect. It's, it's a chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is incredible. Um, Martin Freeman has attacked Jim Carrey with words. What? On a podcast. Oh my god. So um, Martin Freeman appeared on the Off Menu podcast, which I don't know too much about. I've heard of that. I don't know what it is. I, I, I think we should know more about it. I mean, maybe he should have come on our podcast because we're Holodell Media, but, you know, whatever. Martin, Your priorities. Tim from The Office. Anyway, uh, he had some choice words to say about Jim Carrey's antics on the set of Man on the Moon, which I think a lot of people might share this opinion. So for those who don't know, Man on the Moon was a biopic about the, uh, the comedy, comedian Andy Kaufman. And he thought he was like channeling the spirit of Andy Kaufman when he, um, when so on set the entire time oh, he was on set. There's a documentary on it. The entire time he was on set, he was in character. Oh, everything's amazing! I, I can't do an impression. But <laughs> uh, Danny DeVito, there's, there's footage of Danny DeVito going. Oh, I just can't take it anymore. He just won't stop. Really? And um, they'll say, Jim, uh, Jim, we need to rehearse this next scene. He goes, Who's Jim? Who's Jim? I'm Andy. And he went. He talks about going off and speaking to a dolphin, and then Andy Kaufman came out of a dolphin or something. It's, was this anyway, before he went AWOL? This was in the late nineties, I think. Right. But then this is what Martin Freeman said about um, the whole thing. He said, "For me, and I'm genuinely sure Jim Carrey is a lovely and smart person, but it was the most self-aggrandizing, selfish, effing, narcissistic bollocks I've ever seen." <laughs> The idea anything in our culture would celebrate that or support it is deranged, literally deranged. I am a very lapsed Catholic, but if you believe in transubstantiation, then you're going somewhere along the line of, I became the character. No, you didn't. You're not supposed to become the effing character because you're supposed to be open to stuff that happens in real life because someone at some stage is going to say cut and there's no point going, what does cut mean? Because I'm Napoleon. Shut up. Fair enough. You know, like you don't see big celebrities kind of unleashing. No, other big celebrities often. I was like, well, not yeah, that's that's interesting. Interesting, Martin Freeman. I could have I could have made that sound worse than it is. By the way, I, I didn't listen to the the audio of it. But, um, he, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard this said before that you shouldn't be acting on stage, darling. You should be feeling the thing. No, no, you're an actor. Act. <laughs> yeah. You're not you supposed think? to be at. You're not supposed to be stabbing yourself in the leg to feel pain. You're supposed to be acting the pain. I I agree that in in some cases with certain actors, I can I totally get that sometimes you, you take your character away from you a bit after cut happens. I can agree that maybe if you're playing like an angry character, you like staying a bit grumpy or whatever, like whatever, like um, yeah. But you can, but you face that and you realize that and you maybe apologize for it and you say I'm I'm sorry, I, I can't get this guy out of my head. But to actually think that the spirit of the dead guy is inside <laughs> you and i don't know yeah that's mad but i think jim carrey's was always like a very a special character so. if it's late 90s this would be after he's been in every film this was after his string this was after yeah. his year of ace ventura the mask and uh, so maybe that was the film that ended it because people say it's uh larry the cable guy he, Larry the Cable Guy? I think, did, he, guy. did he do that movie and then The Cable Guy and then Eternal... Sh- I don't know when the... Ca- yeah. Eternal Sunshine was when he came back. When he came back. And now, as a serious actor. And now that's regarded as his best performance of all time. Yeah, I think that, that's often the way, isn't it? Comedy actors 
lose their mind and come back and do a serious role. Oh, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. And Funny People, he did it. He came back and yes, did a yeah. serious role as well, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, Shia LaBeouf always comes to mind when I think of that. Because he lost his mind on the Fury set, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, because he's playing like a preacher and he started getting all religious and weird on people. Uh. Like he didn't wash the entire time and... Uh, yeah just snap out of it man yes it's only it's, it's, you know we love movies but it's only movies you know just things whatever but you know who are we to judge art 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 anyway last one um, so uh, we watched a trailer for this uh, the other day R.L. Stein's Fear Street we have to talk about this um, ext- Netflix extravaganza that's coming out yeah um, so I had no idea about these books I read a lot of goosebumps like most people um, of our sort of generation but um, I hadn't heard of Fear Street so Netflix is bringing out a trilogy of horror movies one week after the other they focus on the Ohio town of Shadyside and are set in three eras 1666 1978 and 1994 um, what I do know is apparently they're heavily R-rated as, as Stein himself has said um, apparently the books were pretty gruesome despite being uh, aimed at young adults um, but yeah there's, in the trailer there's a lot of like screamy friday 13th slashy stuff in there like the phone tones from scream i'm pretty sure they have the shot like they have the, the axe swing that we replicated in the shining like yeah 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 in one point it's all playing up on all those tropes isn't it it's yeah. um my worry would be it's too it's um derivative yeah that's no, my totally only yeah. concern with it because if, if it's a young adult so i mean it's not me but there's probably not much to it so they're going to be adding stuff. It's um, it seems to in a way be doing the whole strangers, Stranger Things thing of uh, playing on that imaginative nostalgia of a generation you weren't. Oh in. well, that's true. Stranger Things, I always said, should have done different things each series. Maybe this is the uh, the answer to that. This is taking wish. A, yeah, this is taking a different different route, taking a more horror route. It's actually got one. Of the, it's got one of the actresses from Stranger Things in. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if. Similar people, but yeah, looking good. Looking forward to that, and that concludes Fortnite Schmortnight. Um, one thing that should also be mentioned: bloody friends. Oh God! We yes. should just mention that the trailer for the Friends reunions come out, and it's the most disgustingly syrupy piece of. It's it's really vulgar. It's really quite. Disgusting. Friends was always too syrupy for me. Uh, I remember sort of growing out of it and being like, why, why do they always hug? Mm. Why do they always? Why are they all so nice? And I remember people I knew started acting like friends. They started yeah, going to having coffee and a hugging. Mm, Chandlerisms and things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really obviously, and. This is just playing up to that mm. mushy, horrible nostalgia. And then to, to sprinkle the icing onto the cake, James Corden. James Corden. To have him as the vocal point of like the, the, the audience. Oh, and the... Bl- we love you so much. The soundbite used in the trailer, like, you, you, you brought happiness to the world. You went through the experience with them. Uh, yeah, uh, I was really, yeah. 
Do you know what? Honestly, I, I've I've got good memories of watching Friends. Like I watched all of all of them in a row, like um, at uni. And, and oh I, yeah. And they, you know they're they're well written. They're you know there's a reason why they're so successful. But to like to see them, to see it smushed out of, oh, it's of, so... of a butthole in this in this way is just it's not ideal. See, when I discovered Seinfeld, it was like, oh, my head exploded because all the things I hated about Friends were not in it. Yeah, and it was like this is what I should have been watching, and I think a lot of people say the same thing. Mm. Strange thing, and they did a reunion many years ago, and it was brilliant. Yeah, it was yeah. part of a Turbid Enthusiasm series, and it was so funny. That's fantastic. But anyway, yeah. watch Seinfeld. Friends is rubbish. <laughs> I've seen it all as well. I've seen it millions of times because they played it on loop, and they still do. Do they? Yeah, I can't remember what channel, but yeah, it's always on. <sighs> Anyway, moving on. about the nice Katy Perry roar where she's going through the jungle dressed as a Tarzan woman. I'm saying roar. Roar. Ah. <laughs> uh, like a camp tiger. Like the wrestling roar. Roar. Yes. 2016 French film. Yeah, it's uh, uh, directed by Julia Docquenel. Julia Docquenel. Docquenel. We'll go with that. Uh, yes, this is a film um, I remember seeing the trailer for and getting quite excited about yes we all shared it with each other. oh this looks great i got it on dvd because it wasn't on blu-ray and it sat gathering dust for years we all we because we were gonna last year we we're gonna have a cannibal night weren't we because we, we had a monster we were gonna have a monster night and a yes cannibal night and we we fallen out of favor with our we used to do lots of b-movie nights where we watched a themed selection of films but we just sort of stopped at some point but i'm gonna blame rona yeah, I'm going to blame Rona, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just gathered dust, and it's um, it's sat there ever since. It uh, it appealed because it looked unhinged. Yeah, the the kind of uh, vibe I got from when I saw the trailer was like a, a cannibal skins kind of thing. I thought, Yeah, more, I can see that. I thought there were more... So there's, there's essentially two cannibals in this movie. Um, but in, you know, in the trailer, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's a cannibal university where they learn and they get indoctr- indoctrinated into cannibalism i think i had that vibe as well like it was just a sort of uh weird teenage like it was like playing on the the fads and the crazes and the sounds so old yeah and you know like those young whippersnappers get up do you know what i mean like it was it was the fashionable thing to do at this school um you haven't seen neon demon have you no, I haven't seen it. Anymore. Okay, that's kind of the vibe I got, and you'll probably know what I mean when I eventually make you watch it. It's, okay. it's a hard watch. But, um, yeah, so Raw... It's a coming-of-age story, would you say? It is a coming-of-age. It's listed on Wikipedia as a coming-of-age horror drama film. Right. But I saw elsewhere that the director doesn't like that. 
Well, oh, really? Because she didn't think of it as a horror. Oh, uh, well, that's a... Hmm. It wasn't supposed to scare. It was supposed to uh, disturb. Do you know what? At no point in this movie was I ever scared. I no. was heavily disturbed and like... Um, I don't know if cringing is the right emotion that I, during that scene, which we'll get into later, but like just horrified, actually. So horror in a sense of horrified. I was kind of like... That well, it, works, but it, I wasn't scared. It wouldn't have taken much to shift this into a vampire film. No. And then it could have been more horror, I guess. This was more of a sort of unravelling. Yeah. It was like a, uh, like a tragedy of just this, this young woman who's just going into a weird phase of her life, I suppose. If you take away the cannibalism aspect, it's like a gritty teen drama about a girl struggling to adapt to university life. and Yeah going withdrawing and going further into her strangeness yeah in- interestingly as well i saw i did see reference to it but i did notice it in the film as well um the main character justine uh played by garance malia garance malia uh she was told to sort of correct her posture as the film goes on as she becomes blossoms into a woman and I, it, it was noticeable i don't know if you picked up on it because the film, she's quite hunched over and skinny and yeah, uh, very nervous and shy. Whereas by the end, she's very much shoulders out. Yeah. I think even the sister mentions that she's... Oh, she says she, she's lost weight. She says she's lost weight and it's not good. And then she says you've grown into the, the dress and... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's interesting that the, so the, the eating of the meat is like what she's meant to do to become her true creature her true self mm. so she's uh, when she's forced to be a vegetarian and not be a cannibal she's kind of weak but as she's eating meat throughout the film she's becoming more vicious and more unhinged but also maybe more strong yes absolutely so we will get into the plot now just a word of warning because this is a foreign language subtitled film uh the clips might not come across very well but I'll see what I, I'll see if I can find the dubbed one. We watched it subtitled. We're not Philistines. Yes, indeed, indeed. Right. Anyway, so yeah, uh, so the film opens with Justine um, starting at a veterinary school. Yeah. So the film opens with her being dropped off by her parents. Her older sister Alexia, played by Ella Rump, she's already there, um, and she kind of guides her sister in when they finally meet. So. This vet school is very strange. It is. It's very strange. Um, so it's like the worst, most depressing animal house ever. So, <laughs> so there's like a a ritual where they, all of the new starters, all the freshmen, they 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 get hazed by the older students. So uh, yes. So they get in. They're getting ready to settle down. Then people come into their dorms and throw all their beds and stuff out the, the out of the windows, and then invite them down into a basement for a rave. Yeah. It's very uh, like public school, private school. Yeah. It's that kind of, you've got those, level, like they have to refer to the older students as elders or yeah. the great ones or something like that. But they only have to do it for so long and then it's, it's all haze and stuff. So yeah, initially Justine is very uncomfortable with this. She obviously has had quite a sheltered life. She seems very un. Uh, unnatural around alcohol and drugs, which whereas Boys everyone else and... is is partying and yeah, and she's a virgin. She's you know she's not used to this whole new lifestyle at all. Mm. Uh, we also meet her 
uh, roommate Adrian, played by, there's a fun name, Rabar Nayat Ufella. Yes, uh, who's gay. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. There's no like problems with it. We see it quite clearly. And Justine seems a bit strange around him. Yeah. Straight from the beginning. Yeah, she's got a thing. She's intimidated by him, but kind of uh, focused and a bit obsessed with him at the same time. Mm, yeah. So after the party, after we sort of work out where we are, um, they're forced to take part in a, a hazing ritual, which starts with Justine being forced to eat uh, raw rabbit's kidneys. And this is just after uh, her sister's shown her the, the, the pictures on the wall where their parents met at the same yes. school. So, yeah, they've got a long heritage here. You're vegetarian, you, Manon? Well, why? And her sister's son? But I call my parents, if you don't believe me. You're serious, it's not the meal to have. Honestly, everyone will pass. You've already eaten the meal, then? The meal I've already eaten last year, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Come on, I'll look at you. So yeah, she's forced to eat a raw rabbit's kidney and then the following day comes up in horrific rashes all over her body. Awful. And it's one of those films where they really go to town on making you grossed out because she goes to see the nurse and the nurse oh. has those tweezers and it's like the effects are the gore effects are really good in this film but like the the way she peels off just bits of skin that are hanging off is yeah gross. It's absolutely grim that was the first time I'm a, I was like I know um, the doctor sort of says it's probably an allergic reaction to the meat fine. We'll we'll eat that. We'll, we'll we'll go along with that. Yeah. So um yeah. So the doctor gives her this uh, this rash cream, uh, which she then later sees in her sister's thing as well. Interesting. Never really delves in that, but she sees it in the sister's book. Um, but she starts craving meat almost immediately. She starts uh, eyeing up Adrian's burgers and eventually steals one for herself from the canteen. And it's dripping grease. Yeah, in her that's another deliberate. Everything in this film is made to unsettle you. Like the burger didn't have to be disgusting and greasy. The amount of fat that lines that pocket yeah. is a very deliberate choice to kind of. Whenever we see. In fact, ah, I hadn't thought that until now. Whenever it's cooked meat, yeah. it looks grim. Yeah, that's true. Because we see, because it's a vet stool, that we do see a little bit of uh, animal dissection and things not in a graphic way but we do see some of it but it always looks quite fresh and quite it doesn't they don't play up on the disgust of raw meat mm. but they do play up the disgust of cooked meat which is interesting yeah hadn't that's, really thought that that's before. true um so alexia sort of takes it on herself to guide justine to make her more of a, a animal party animal to make her fit in oh, here, here we go, go. here we go <laughs> she Starts helping uh, Justine. She's sort of she's giving her tips, giving her clothes. She starts waxing her, giving her a Brazilian. Yeah, um, but it goes wrong, and the wax doesn't come off. So, is this spoilers? Do we want to go too far into this? I think right. Should we talk about this and this alone we, as we, the main? We have to talk about this scene because we can't really talk about the movie without talking this scene. So yeah. if you don't want to hear about it, you're gonna have to tap fast forward a few times. But okay, so. There's a, the wax is on, it's formed into a hard paste, 
they try to rip the wax off of her downstairs area. Yes. It doesn't work. So her sister decides to go for the scissors. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lurch of discomfort. Uh, Justine kicks back against Alexia because she's in pain from the pool. And- non, dégage-toi. Non, non, tu vas m'exciser là, t'es ouf. T'as pas le choix. Mais tu trembles. Oh, fuck, ma chatte. Quoi Quoi Qu'est-ce que t'as fait And kicks uh, Alexi's arm and Alexi's finger comes off. Yeah, so she falls out of shot, comes back up with a finger missing. And then faints. And then faints. Then Rob said, don't, don't eat the finger. Don't eat the finger. <laughs> don't eat the finger. And she, she ate the finger. She ate the finger. She ate the finger. She, it's her own sister's finger, her own sister's finger, and, and the way you see this film unravel, and the fact that she hadn't done anything remotely this extreme yet, apart from really steal the burger. She was starting to, like, nibble. We'd seen her eat a raw chicken breast. Yeah, and she chewed on her hair, and... Yeah. And, but this... Oh, my God. She got the finger, and then she <laughs> the, she tips it, and a, bit, a pool of blood pours onto her hand, and then she's looking at it. She's thinking, just the blood at first, just the blood. I'll, I'll just have the blood, and then, I'll, and then I'll protect the rest of the finger. And then she just goes to town on it, and the and, and just as it's, you think it can't get any worse, she's eating her own sister's finger while she's passed on the floor. Her sister wakes and sits up and looks at her. And I've got a picture of this moment of Rob holding his head in his hands I'm going to put on Instagram of just and we're both feeling it the sheer horror of what was going on and I was just like you know she's waking up (laughs) do you know what genuinely I haven't had that uh and like emotive and physical reaction to a movie since Hereditary. Well, that's I was going to say that because you were hiding in your t-shirt at the time. Yeah, you were trying every way of barring the film from your eyes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just one of those awful, awful. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. The thing uh, with Raw, this is definitely. I don't know whether this is uh, the director's style, but it really lingers. Mm. It, it's not quick. It doesn't move the scene on. With the the rash when she's first like scratching in bed, when the doctor's peeling the skin off her belly, when she's nibbling on her sister's finger, the camera just sits on it, just watches it for way too long. It doesn't let you escape. No. And I think with one of the other things that the director does really well is it, it focuses in on shame and um, discomfort and you know humiliation with those lingering things especially when a sister's fight later there's lots of shots of people staring and judging mm, yeah and yeah that, it, i just found that really interesting it cuts into so many so i i guess insecurity and also it doesn't shy away from zooming in so when we're seeing the brazilian it's right in there right in there to a sort of squeamish degree as i mentioned that it's it's described as an erotic i don't think it's very erotic this film no it the only erotic thing being that it's got Girls in pants, I guess. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no like major sexuality to it. Um, so she eats the sister's finger. Mm. A good way to start a conversation. Uh, but it turns out her sister is kind of into it too. Yeah. She's... So she blames the dog on the missing finger. 
to her parents. Which her sister goes along with. Yep. Uh, then Alexia takes Justine out to the road. They don't talk. She doesn't want an apology. She takes her to a road where she jumps in front of a moving car. The car crashes. The people inside are badly wounded. And Alexia reveals that she is also a bit of a cannibal. It's... I just, I mean, she just, eats the brains, bro. She eats the brains, and I, and I, and just as a thing, we uh, we googled um, healthy because I stumbled across an article before. We googled what's a, what does a healthy cannibal eat, and uh, they don't eat the brains. So the brains are very bad, and they give you like a shaking disease, and the liver is very bad for you as well. Yes, this is uh, familiar to anyone who's seen the Book of Eli. Mm. Yes, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's mm. uh, like. What are they in a sense? Because cannibals, I mean, they're never depicted as uh, like Hannibal Lecter, for example. He never had like the un- uncontrollable urge to the extent that he went crazy and was jump- leaping out into a road. It was all calm and planned. But these girls are a bit more rabid and lose control. Sort of yeah, thing. I suppose the difference is Hannibal Lecter is probably doing it for control and power over the victim. Yeah, which is a serial it's killer, a psychological thing. thing. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not like a lust. But these girls have like a deep desire they don't even understand. Uh, before Justine realizes what's going on, she mentions to uh, to Adrian that she's got a hunger she can't she can't get rid of. Um, so yeah, from that point, we start to see Justine sort of become herself. Adrian becomes a, a real target, so she starts she decides to try and resolve her hunger by also shagging her gay roommate hmm. um which goes badly because he's gay well as her sexual uh like excitement as it were her horniness goes up during the the sex scene as does her appetite yeah to the point adrian's pushing away every time she tries to take a chunk out of him so in the end she just ends up feeding on herself yeah he's an interesting character actually because he kind of knows doesn't he yeah, he starts sussing it out. He sees her going into the fridge. Oh, yeah, I was just looking for the milk or the, the cereal. Yeah, while she's the, eating a big chunk of chicken. Yeah. Yeah, interesting that. What? Um, what? I mean, are, they're not... They're like vampires, zombies, and cannibals all at once in a weird way. It is is something that they have to keep doing or they get sick. Yeah. That's why I think it's, I think it's closer to vampire. Yeah. Because there's definitely like a sort of, I don't know, like a bestial desire to do it. It's uh, it, it's it's very. It gets a bit weird after that, I think, mm. because they both start doing weird and dark and more horrible things. Just they get Justin gets really drunk at a party and is led by her sister to eat human, I uh, like from the party morgue. Yeah, from the party morgue. Everyone's got one. Yeah, you can't have a rave without a morgue where you can just walk in and pull open the drawers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Justine wakes up and she's really hungover and she, Adrian takes her aside and shows her this video of her sister basically encouraging her to eat from the morgue. Mm. And everyone's there watching. It's very weird and uncomfortable and she's definitely not into it. And that's when they fight um, and it takes it to the next sort of stage. The next stage is where I don't know what the bloody hell was going on. Oh, and this is right towards the end. I didn't want with the fight. Or yeah, we don't want to, I don't think we should talk about it too much, but it gets weird. It does get weird. It does get weird. Alexia goes off. She just goes comatose. People were in their bed sheets. What's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, it, um, 
there's so much like now that I'm thinking about it, there's more and more teen dramery stuff that I think would like kind of maybe have a bad effect on people watching it who have experience with uh bullying and videos being shared and trying to fit in it's and, all there isn't it yeah, yeah and like making a fool of yourself when you're drunk like she goes around that party and tries to get off with people and just completely humiliate yeah it's just got um okay i guess one or two levels it's for, yeah um the other thing as well worth noting I, I said it during the screening and i think other people have as well it's got a suspiria element to yeah, it man, definitely so even though there's there's not re- i don't think there's really any music to right home about there's obviously some music there's that wonderful rap song about, we'll cover yeah. that shortly uh but it's it shot to shot it kind of looks quite realistic and a bit grungy there's no particular cinematography really going on with it not really need to um but there is a couple of scenes that feel so straight out of the 70s superior yeah of her wandering yeah. around and sort of discovering herself i suppose is a big part of it well you said it and then it was as she was walking she came out of a room on the right and walk down a corridor, and I swear that's like just exactly the same. Well, it was all lit red, wasn't it? Was it all lit red. It was like exactly the same. Yeah. No, it's it's got that kind of mysterious element, because you don't really know what's going on. No. There is something else going on which, towards the end, which I just I didn't get with my stupid English brain. I think that's the problem. Uh, if anyone can explain people walking and standing outside and staring at nothing. Um, who was the pink guy? Who was the pink guy? Oh, yeah. it's worth pointing out as well. There is a there's a particular character in there who you picked up on the shouty elder boy. Okay, he's right. So the problem is with French people shouting on top of a building. <laughs> yeah. um, you're always worried that they might be causing a revolution. <laughs> it, it definitely felt that way. Yeah, he felt like a character from Les Misérables. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Construit. Vous avez intégré notre grande école, les anciens vous en félicitent. Vos professeurs feront de vous l'élite des médecins vétérinaires et vos anciens vous aideront à devenir une famille pour la vie. Mais d'abord, d'abord vous allez devoir apprendre. Apprendre à être unis, apprendre à obéir, apprendre à être de bons bisous. Euh, yeah. <laughs> that, and, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a thing to be proud of, France. That's not a, we're not, that's not an English dig. The film could be called Les... Cannibals. Les Cannibals. Oh. Uh, yes. Right. But anyway, it, what do you think? Is it a Hall of Famer? Uh, I wouldn't say it's quite... No, I wouldn't say it's a Hall of Famer. I I think it's a very good film. Um, mm, it's worth the watch. It's worth tracking down. Yeah, it's, it's, de- it's definitely worth the watch. I think if you're... You know, like we say, it's not like a traditional horror, but if you're a horror fan and you're, you want to like notch up a couple of like really good... Uh, foreign horror movies on your belt i'd yeah. say this is definitely one you want to add to your kind of list and it's and, and if you watch it with someone else you'll be talking about it with them afterwards about all the different <laughs> yeah, things, like, without a shadow of a doubt it's um yeah yeah i agree i don't think it's quite hall of fame worthy but it's uh as foreign films go definitely this is one that's accessible and interesting i think so yeah check it out and if you like neon demons you'll definitely like it Adam's Film Reviews, Judas and the Black Messiah, 2021. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me.
looking at 18 months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Badges are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn all These ain't no terrorists. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder a liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder a revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. With six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and winner of Best Supporting Actor for Daniel Kaluuya and Best Original Song, plus wins for Kaluuya at the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice Awards, Screen Actors Guild and the BAFTAs, it wasn't a difficult choice to go back to the cinemas on reopening and catch up on Judas and the Black Messiah. Directed by relative newcomer Shaka King and co-written by King and Will Burson, Judas and the Black Messiah tells the true life story of Fred Hampton, played by... Daniel Kaluuya, and his betrayal during his time as chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party in late 60s Chicago. The story opens with William O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield, posing as an FBI officer to steal a car for some Black Panthers, only to be caught in the act by the police. Confronted by FBI Special Agent Roy Mitchell, played by Jesse Plemons, O'Neill was given the option to work undercover for the Bureau. His mission? To infiltrate the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and get close to its leader, Fred Hampton, a man who's been targeted as an enemy of the state by the FBI. With the financial backing of the FBI, O'Neill grows close to Hampton, soon becoming part of his inner circle thanks to his FBI-provided car. And we begin to see the supposed nefarious deeds that the Black Panthers are up to. These nefarious deeds turn out, in fact, to include the Free Breakfast for Children initiative and free education classes for the community. Hampton, it turns out, is a powerful wordsmith and skilled orator, and is able to forge alliances with rival gangs and other opposing groups. And in doing so, Hampton meets Deborah Johnson, played by Dominique Fishback, and the two begin a romantic relationship. See, Hampton isn't just out for power or greed. He's looking for one thing, to unite the voices of the oppressed and feed a civil rights revolution. It isn't just members of the black community either. Through patience and skill, Hampton persuades local Confederate sympathizers and Puerto Rican gangs to combine their strength as part of a multiracial rainbow coalition, mostly by pointing out that it isn't just race that divides America, but class too. In fact, you could argue that Hampton wasn't just fighting against racism, but against capitalism itself. For this reason, Hampton is target number one for the FBI, who do their best to drag Hampton off the streets, first imprisoning him for the supposed theft of $71 of ice cream. Meanwhile, O'Neill takes up roots in the Black Panther Party, earning himself the title of Head of Security, while leading in the vacuum of their absent leader. And that's where things start to go wrong. When one of Hampton's inner circle is involved in a shootout with a pair of police officers holding up a local restaurant, the Black Panther headquarters is soon besieged by the police, and it only takes one bullet to start a war. With individuals breaking away from Hampton's teachings and going on revenge sprees, this only drives the FBI on. And when Hampton is released from his stint in prison, 
It isn't long before the FBI are looking for blood. Judas and the Black Messiah is everything you expect it to be. It's deep, thought-provoking, and honestly, quite a jarring experience. Cast as the Black Messiah, Hampton is well-spoken, articulate, and, to the FBI at least, extremely dangerous. We certainly see the best of him, with his only weakness, his total dedication to the cause, even at the risk of his own life, despite the commitments he may have made with others. O'Neill, on the other hand, is every part the scheming, cowardly villain, though the nuance of Stanfield's performance is genuinely worth praising, and well deserving of his own nomination at the Oscars. Together, they play up the roles of the Messiah and the Betrayer, although if I had to find fault, I would say that perhaps this is a little on the nose. See also the FBI, who are portrayed in every scene as bloated, corrupt, slovenly Saturday morning villains, who are eating, drinking, or just plain old drunk in every scene. Except perhaps for Mitchell, who at least we see some shades of grey. For what it's worth, however, Judas and the Black Messiah doesn't gloss over the negative aspects of the Black Panthers, with time dedicated to showing those who may have lost Hampton's grand vision. Despite this, Judas and the Black Messiah is a film well worth watching and would highly recommend to anyone. It's superbly acted with an absolute stellar cast and is brimming with atmosphere and sense of foreboding that comes to a head in the final act. Get out there, support your local cinema and go and see this film. Or if you're really opposed to that, check it out on Amazon Prime. You won't regret it. That was the show. Mm. Yes, I had a glass of big gulp of water doing then. I hope you heard it on the new mic. Ooh, brand new technology. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Yes, indeed. Do check us out on our social medias, at Holodale Media, at Instagram and Twitter. And if you like what you hear, do check us out at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Media. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that, and enjoy, and enjoy all of our gifts and our goodies. Yeah, so we've got behind-the-scenes content, we've got some exclusive podcasts, taking a break from one of them, but there'll be much more soon. Yeah. So, to play us out, I'm going to make a little performance of a song that stood out to us uh, during Raw. So you're going to translate the French uh, gothic song by the band... uh... Uh, God knows who they are. Audios or something. Yeah. French goth rap band. You're going to translate the lyrics to the song. Yes. I'm going to put it in my English brain. Okay, so Justine's wiggling about in front of the mirror. Seduction 101. Be a whore with decorum. Laugh at boys. Ride with boys. Blowjob queen. Give him what he needs. Citric acid. Pheromones. Tick, tick, tick. One, two, three, four, stop. We're done. I'll treat you good, hurt you good. Oops, goodbye. Ugly dicks with me don't won't fly. Wedding night, I'll drown you in my pool. Suck your bones, lap it up, honey. Don't work out, pretty cool. I like to bang the dead. Cold and hard, talk less hard. Hard, hard, hard. I like to bang the dead. Bang the dead. I like to bang the dead. Bang the dead. Drugs, yes please. Kitten, I love you for the gram. Dolly, titty, Nero, so girly. 
twice the poison, lucky charms. Bang you, pretty boy, my heart ain't dirty. Fun in the sheets, me plus guys equals zero. Dom plus joy equal love, we don't do porn, but we like strap-ons. I say tongue, you do clit, I say anthrax, blah, blah, blah.